Today, we're in our second week talking about being overwhelmed. Now, last week, y'all had an incredible response all week long from folks talking about thanks for some practical helps, but also some biblical instruction on what it looks like. Today, Bobby and I want to teach from Psalm 130. And in the 130th Psalm, there are just eight verses that uh, are kind of broken up into two verse slots, and that's the way we're going to teach it today. And uh, before we jump into the 130th Psalm, and feel free if you've got your Bible or, a, or, or you know, an app on your device, go ahead and open that up and read with us. If you're, if you're wondering what version we're using today, it's the New Living Translation. So if you're in one of those Bible apps that lets you swap versions, we're in the New Living Translation. And, but before we jump into it, I want to remind you of the quick four things from last week. The first one is, if you find yourself in overwhelm, and every human I know is in one of the three stages of overwhelm, feeling like we're just coming into it, in the thick of it, or just coming out of it. But we all know that this is life. We're going to live sometimes in overwhelm, and we have to have a game plan for how we get, how, get to where we can overcome our overwhelm. Yeah. And the first thing we do is settle our relationship with God. Where do we sit with God? How do we connect yeah. with God? I mean, it's like, Bobby, you and I talk about it all the time. When we have people that come to us with need or help, the first thing is settle your relationship yeah. with God. You know, and, that, and the best way to do that is go to God immediately. It's like, I want to be right with you. Lord, let me do that. The second one is recognize you're not God. And so leave everything that you can't personally control in his lap because he'll take it and deal with it, but you can't. The third one is get spiritual routines into your life. Start your day with gratitude, with scripture, with prayer. It's not about how long. It's not about quantity. It is about having a few moments where you get your life focused on God. Because you can't get right with God if you're not going to spend time with God. And so get some spiritual routines in your life. And then finally, learn the value of Sabbath. You were designed and you need rest. You need sleep. So whether you think you're superhuman or not, the, the, the truth is you're not. And you need to rest. And the only way out of overwhelm is to train your body and your mind that there is a time in which you have to unplug because just like everything else in the world, when it goes chaotic, the best thing to do is unplug it, wait a little bit, and plug it back in. Same is true for you. So let's take a look at Psalm 130 and take a look because verses 1 and 2 give us a picture of what the psalmist, the writer, is dealing with and the degree of overwhelm that he is in. Listen to what he says, from the depths of despair. Now that right there is like, this is not like, okay, I'm, I'm a little anxiety riddled today. This is, I am full blown in the middle of being overwhelmed. Anxiety, depression, everything else that you could imagine in my life from the depths of despair. And then two words appear here, Bobby, that are super cool. Oh Lord. Hmm. So there's a recognition that I'm in the depths of despair, but the one place I can search is, oh Lord. Yeah. Now, the term Lord there is really important because it is the picture of, I know you own everything, including me, so I can offload this despair to you because you can handle it. Oh, Lord, I call for your, and here's really where we've got to deal with this. I call on you for help. Hmm. Now, I know you, you're, you are not good at asking for help. Yeah. You're not even good when somebody tries to help you. I mean, that's just kind of how we, we all are that way to some degree. And, and I think the writer is trying to say to you, God's not like us. He never, he, does, he never flinches when you come to him for help. Your God, your heavenly father, your creator and sustainer, 
He longs for you to come to him and cry out for help. Yeah. Now, listen to me. Crying out for help is not the same as begging. Crying out for help is saying, God, I know I trust you, therefore I call on you. I know you hear me. And then he goes on and says, hear my cry, and here it is again. Oh, Lord, pay attention to my prayer. Now, the beautiful thing about this is, again, a reminder about our spiritual routines. The writer is in despair, and he's clearly saying, but I've come to you in prayer. When you are in despair, the fastest way out is prayer. But if you don't trust that prayer, it is because you don't trust who hears it. Mm. So the first thing you do, and that's why we say the first thing out of overwhelm, is to get your relationship with God in order. Absolutely. I, I, uh, I love this phrase because one-third of all the psalms that are written are written like this. Mm -hmm. They're from a place mm -hmm. of despair. I think sometimes when we think about Bible people, we put them on some pedestal yeah. and we think they've got it all together. But in the Psalms, we read this emotion. Yeah. And this is one of the Psalms that, that pilgrims, they would literally travel to Jerusalem at least once a year. And this is one of the Psalms that corporately they would cry out. Right. And so here's a prayer. You're like, where do I start? How do I pray? Do I have to have all the these and thou's? Do I have to sound really spiritual? Thou art Lord. Yeah, exactly. And then and, and truly, no. No, his one word is this word, help. Y'all right. try that real quick. Everybody say help. help. Let's try that again one more time. Help. help. You don't have to be theological to say help. <laughs> you don't have to have it all figured out to say help. Some of the most authentic prayers come from this core need inside of mm. us where we feel stressed out, we feel burned out, we feel like, man, I don't know where to turn. All, everything that I thought I could trust is gone, and it's in those moments that we strip away all the external stuff, and we turn to the one that can hear us yeah. and rescue us, and we start with this place of saying, help, yeah. inwardly, this inside of us, this necessity. And this is something that isn't new with our generation. I mean, when you go all the way back to the garden, you go all the way back to Adam and Eve, you go all the way back to when sin first enters into this world. Ever since that moment, we've been on this path. God created us to be in a relationship, but sin messed that up. And because of that, we, enter, we, we encounter all of this brokenness around us. And so it's in that moment that we begin to say, you know what, instead of trying to live on my own terms, mm. I'm going to start leaning on God. And so the psalmist gets to this point where he's like, there's nowhere else to look. Right. I can't look to the people to my left or to my right. I can't look to government. I can't look to my job. I can't look to my relationships. He got to the moment where all he needed to do was to look up. Mm. And if you haven't gotten to that moment yet, that is the first place to go. Here's, if you're a note taker today, we want to give you some reminders. These are also in the app, but here's reminder number one when we're talking about overcoming overwhelm. Reminder number one is that God does not keep office hours. And what I mean by that is God doesn't have some tight window and says, all right, you can cry out for help between nine and 10 on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. He's not like a college professor that has office hours that says, hey, just swing by on Tuesdays or Thursdays. Right. 
God does not keep office hours. God doesn't have some window where it's appropriate to cry out. The moment you feel that desperation, the moment you feel that anxiety rising up inside of you, the moment, as best as you can, the moment that you start feeling that overwhelm, the very first thing to do is to cry out and say, God, would you help me? Yeah. God, would you help me? Because he doesn't keep office hours. uh, Have you ever been to one of those doctors where they sent you a text or an email reminder, maybe a phone call, and they say, you have a two o'clock appointment Tuesday afternoon. Yeah. And then they say, could you come 20 minutes earlier to fill out some paperwork? And already anxiety is going up. Yeah. It's like, I have filled this out 712 times. <laughs> Nothing's changed. And you know they're not going to be ready. Right, you know they're not going to be ready. So you get there at 140 thinking this is the way it's going to work. But they give you the paperwork at 140, but they don't call you back until 245. Are you with me? And okay. you know, why do they have you sit on that little table yeah, with I, Subway paper that they wrap sandwiches with. Well, <laughs> Lord be with my friend Bobby. I'm like, are they going to put a cookie next to me? I don't know. Okay, but. get back to the notes. You know right. how good I'm up falling notes. You Stay are with terrible me. at it. So, I, <laughs> so help we, God. <laughs> so we. <laughs> I'm on my notes. All right. So, uh, so. So the problem is with that kind of office environment yes. is you never know what you're going to get. Yep. The good news is that God, here's the universal teaching from Genesis to the book of the Revelation and including every story from creation on, the universal teaching that God is always. God always is. What is he always? He is always available. He is always ready. Hmm. And watch this. He is always ready to hear you and answer you. And you say, well, Chuck, I just, I I can't wrap my head around how someone could do that. Well, that's because humanly it is impossible. But in God, all things are possible, which means in, in, in and because of God, he can do the impossible. And so his capacity is right now, right then. Now the author in, in the next two verses, in verses three and four, gives us this implication and belief that Somewhere in there, part of his overwhelm, part of his anxiety is birthed in sin. Listen to what he says. Lord, if you keep a record of our sins, who, O Lord, could ever survive? Now, the teaching here is, imagine if the Lord wrote down every single sin that you have ever and are right now committed. And it was single-spaced, and it was three columns on a legal pad... If they were mine, you could stack them up and they would fill this room and we would need more warehouses, right? But here's the good news. Listen to verse 4. But you offer forgiveness that we might learn to fear you. Now, there's two big teachings here. The first one is, and I want to make sure we understand this, that God never withholds forgiveness. God never withholds forgiveness. No matter what you've done, how you've done it, where you've done it, or who you've done it to... God never withholds forgiveness. But here is what he has done. He has made everything more simple. Nothing that is God's will, God's way, and built in the character of God, nothing is ever complicated. God made this world pretty simple. We, our humanity, is what made it complicated. So God made the world, and it was pretty simple. 
Adam, Eve, perfection, everything you need. What did they do? They, they let sin come into the world. We've been dealing with it ever since. We get anxiety. We, we get stressed out. We, we get depressed. We get overwhelmed. And then we think that the, the way out is complicated. And God is saying, well, listen, why don't you do this? At first, the psalmist says, I want to deal with my sin. Now, you could say, but Chuck, I'm not stressed about my sin. I'm not anxiety riddled about my sin. I'm anxiety riddled about everything going on in the world. Remember what I said last week. What you can control, you need to control. And what you cannot control, you need to give away. But watch this. You can control whether you admit and confess and repent of your sin. So we start there because at the base of everything that overwhelmed in the world is dealing with, at the base of that is selfishness and sin. At the base of all being overwhelmed is that point because at some point we're overwhelmed because we don't truly trust God. Now you can say, well, Chuck, don't make light of being overwhelmed. I'm not. Listen, I've, I know what it's like to live being overwhelmed. I get it. I mean, I totally get it. And, and let me say to you, from me and Bobby and from this church, our empathy is with you. We know that being overwhelmed is not just to have more faith, read more Bible. We got it. But at some point, spiritually, you got to start somewhere. And, and what the psalmist is saying is, Lord, if, I could, if, if you kept that record without an eraser, I'd be in trouble. But then the, the beautiful thing is God never withholds forgiveness. He erases when we come to him. Now, this is what, when I bring this up, a lot of people ask me, well, I thought Jesus came and shed his blood and died and rose from the grave. And the shedding of his blood was for the forgiveness of my sin. Yeah. And you'd be right past, present, and future. Yeah. But just like a good parent wants you to come and fess up, yeah. the Lord cannot wait for you to come to him as your perfect heavenly daddy and say, God, would you forgive me because I want to be right with you. And watch this. The Lord never uses it a weapon. He never beats you up. He's never going to take that and abuse you with it. All he's going to do is erase it and forgive you. There, it's not like there aren't consequences but the Lord will never hold it over your head. He, his, his forgiveness comes with an eraser, and he's the one that does the erasing. Then you got to deal with that part. But honestly, does it get any better than to know that the very first thing you do when you're overwhelmed is call on the name of the Lord right now? Yeah. I mean, no office hours, right now. Yeah. And then right behind that, God, forgive me. Yeah. Because th there's this sense of forgiveness, Bobby, that... There are two kinds of forgiveness that, that God offers us when we come to him. doesn't matter who you are or what your list is. The first one is judicial forgiveness. Right. And so it's the picture that God forgives ju with judicial forgiveness, meaning this is what I deserve because I've done wrong. Mm -hmm. And he forgives by saying you don't have to pay that price. Right. right? It's like, like a judge in a courtroom. But the second kind of forgiveness is parental forgiveness which is, come here, I want to wrap my arms around you, I love you, you're my kid, and of course I forgive you, let's move on from this, let's don't stay there. And those two things happen because he never withholds forgiveness. You can almost see this progression play out in the psalm. Yeah, exactly. Right? So you see the psalmist exactly. start with, God, help, <laughs> I need you, I'm desperate. God, I, I, I need you. Maybe I don't even know how to put it into words, but I do know I need help. I need help. And then he begins to discover God offers this forgiveness. He deals with this. But then listen to these next two verses. 
you have verses 5 and 6, look at it. He says, I am counting on the Lord. So this is where he's putting his trust. This is where he's, where, where, where he's leaning. He's saying, but I'm counting on the Lord. Yes, I'm counting on him. I have put my hope in his word, which is a big deal. A lot of people put hope in their feelings, their emotions. They put hope in somebody else. They put hope in their bank account or whatever. He says, no, 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 no. I put my hope in his word, what he says. And he says, I long for the Lord more than the centuries long for the dawn. Yes, I long more than the centuries long for the dawn. The, for, for the dawn. Here's what he's saying. He's saying, God, I need you. I'm waiting on you. God, I want to see you. God, if I don't have your presence in my life, I'm sunk. God, if I don't walk with you every day, there's something missing. What I love about this is he has this sense of awe for who God is. Yeah. And I think that's appropriate. When yeah. you start with help and then you start dealing with your sin and you receive that forgiveness, you can't help but to say, God, I am so unworthy. Yeah. God, I don't deserve this. God, I am overwhelmed by your goodness. Mm. And sometimes when people are so casual about forgiveness, sometimes when people take it for granted, I wonder, do, have they wrestled with it? Do they have a sense of the great price that Jesus paid when he yeah, died on the cross? So do they have a sense of what it cost them that yes, forgiveness was free to us, but it was expensive to God. He gave his own son. And that when we realize that, when we realize that my sin, your sin, put his son on the cross and he forgave us, wow. that, that just blows me away. I mean, that leaves you from I'm fearful in my overwhelm to I am overwhelmed in awe at I what you've done and offered awe. me. In fact, it goes right into verses 7 and 8 where he says this, O Israel, hope in the Lord. Mm. For with the Lord there is unfailing love, his redemption overflows. He himself will redeem Israel from every, get this, every kind of sin. So reminder number one was this, that God doesn't keep office hours. Reminder number two is that God never withholds forgiveness. Mm. He never withholds forgiveness. And here's reminder number three, God does not leave us in a hopeless situation. Mm. God does not leave us hopeless. He does not look down and say, well... I see you're overwhelmed. Good luck with that. Instead, God gives us this hope. And the writer says this, hope in the Lord, hope in the Lord, unfailing love, his redemption overflows. He himself will redeem Israel from every kind of sin. I love one of the things that you say so often, there's got to be a way. There's got to yeah. be a way. And the psalmist says, here's the way. Mm. It's through the Lord. Yeah, and so for those of you today, as we try to wrap up, would say, Chuck, I'm overwhelmed at the four things you gave me last week and the three things you gave me this week. I'm overwhelmed at the seven things I got to do. And if you'll notice, though, they all start with one thing. I mean, last week and this week start with the same thing, and that is God doesn't keep office hours, so go to him now. Yeah. Don't, don't put it off. Go to him right now. Whatever it is, go to God right now. And for those of you that think prayer always has to be this time in which you have you know, you're, you're alone on top of the mountain and you're sitting with your legs crossed and you can go, hmm. I mean, listen, you can go to God right now. This is the beautiful thing about not having an officer. Go to him right now. The second thing is when you come to him, go ahead and have an expectation to receive forgiveness. God, I know who you are. I trust in everything. And the reason I've come to you is not because I know I'm going to take my beating. Thank you, sir. May I have another and move on. I come to you because I expect you to give me loving kindness like the perfect heavenly father, not however a heavenly father is. I mean, how, how an earthly father is. Our heavenly father is going to give us more, exceedingly 
more. And then finally, to know God is not going to withhold forgiveness from you. On this Valentine's Day, the greatest love that we can be aware of is that God himself loves you unconditionally. There's nothing you can do to make him love you more. He loves you, period. That's the end of the story. And there's nothing that can change that in the world. And so as a result this week, we want to teach you this little acrostic that I trust will help you as you work your way. Once Monday slaps you in the face and you're ready to go from there, these four little letters, C-F-C-L. C-F-C-L. Say it with me. C-F-C-L. Yeah, it wasn't loud enough. C-F-C-L. C stands for call. Just call on God. I mean, start your day. God, here I am. God, would you then F, forgive me, whatever that is. And by the way, I want to encourage you, don't be that guy, don't be that gal who your prayer is like, you know, uh, heavy-weighted blanket prayers. I mean, don't come to God and say, forgive us our many sins. It's like, okay, but that's a lot. I mean, just tell God the up close. I mean, he loves when you come to him with specificity. God loves specific prayers, Right? So it's like, God, forgive me, because when I saw that, I thought this. God, forgive me. When that guy pulled in front of me, I, you know, go ahead and talk about it. And you say, well, Chuck, I'll spend all day talking to God. What could go wrong with that? Right? <laughs> oh, I mean, no. you know, keep the list short, right? C, call on God. F, forgive. And by the way, don't just ask for it. Receive it. And don't just receive it. Offer it. Like, if you're here today and your marriage is on the brink or gone and you're looking for a relationship or wherever you're at, listen, forgiveness is critical and then third the second c count count on him you can trust him have hope in his word he hasn't let us down yet everything he ever promised he's fulfilled already keep going and by the way every promise god made he fulfills in jesus so the way we do this is we call on god we we ask him to forgive us we count on him and then finally we recognize the redeeming love love is what he offers and love is what he calls on you to offer what a perfect day to end with that picture cfcl so maybe you're here today and maybe you're online right now and you'd say chuck bobby i uh i've never gotten myself right with god before i've never really tried i didn't know that it was that simple well it is I mean, the scriptures don't give you magic prayers or magic aisles to walk or they don't give you magic priests or pastors to talk to. They, you literally, because of Jesus, go straight to God. And so why not right now, wherever you're at, sitting in your home or a hotel or in your car or even right here right now, just say, Jesus, I'm calling on your name. I, I'm asking you to step into my life. Man, do your thing. I don't even understand what all that is, but... Would you step into my life? I'm calling on the name of the Lord. When you do, forgiveness is what comes next. God, forgive me. I haven't always followed what you, what, your way. Would you just forgive me? And, and, and then count on God knowing he's not going to thump you on the head. He's not going to beat you up. He's not going to spank you. He's not going to put you in spiritual timeout. I mean, God, God literally is going to say, I've been waiting for you. Come on. And then receive his love and extend it. This life is not as complicated or complex as we've made it. And and if you'll trust God to walk you through your overwhelm, 
in his power, you will overcome your overwhelm and you will be overwhelmed at his grace, his mercy, and his love for you. You will be overwhelmed with his capacity to forgive you. You will be overwhelmed at his goodness. And so today, why not take that as the most loving and precious promise to know you can overcome your overwhelm? Nobody here is saying it's not a big deal. We're saying we know it's a big deal. We know that if you're living in any state of anxiety, depression, or anything in between, and the overwhelm is in your life, it is a big deal. And we hear you. And honestly, we see you. And what we want to say to you is, this is how God has designed us to work through overwhelm and let him overcome it for us. Why not trust him? Because if you're not, I'll promise you, you've got nothing to lose and everything to gain. Let's pray. God, today we trust you. Thank you for, from my friend Bobby and I, we j we're grateful that we get to talk about this. And we're grateful for a church that'll, that'll hear us and for hundreds, thousands of people watching online that, that can hear this message and know you can overcome overwhelm because of the goodness of God. So Lord, it is your goodness we ask for. It is your mercy that we love. It is your grace that is unexpected, but so, so we're so grateful for. And it's your love that we just can't even explain. Thank you for all that and more. God, help every person today online or in the room, even ourselves, just help us work our way through our overwhelm so that we can overcome it in your strength, your power, your grace, your mercy, and your love. Lord, we're calling on your name. We're asking for forgiveness. We're counting on you. And we know you loved us first, so we love you back. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, and amen. Let's sing a little song. Y'all stand. Come on, let's just sing this quick song, and we'll, we'll, then we'll go home. Then sings my soul, Come on, my sing it, church. Come on, sing it, church. How great thou art. Come on, church. How great thou art. Then sings my soul, my Savior God to me. How great thou art. Come on, church. How great thou art. Hang on, Zach. Wait a minute. We got, we got to fix this. We got to fix this. I, I, I know y'all love his old hymn. But clearly, nobody taught y'all how to sing it. All right, so if you're comfortable with this and are not going to send me a hate mail, go ahead and take your mask off. If you're comfortable with it and you're not going to send me a hate mail, all right? And we're going to sing this song, but when you get to that part, that, what, how's that, how's that one? Uh, yeah, then sings my soul. See, the problem is most of you sing it like this. You know, so what I want to ask you to do is when you get soul, is like throw your head back like you're a wolf and just yell out soul, especially if you can't sing a lick. Because if you can't sing, this is your song, right? So when you get to soul, it ought to be something like this soul, all right? And it, Johnny, I'm counting on you to do this. All right? I mean, seriously, it's time to get the soul part right. Let's, let's, let's let her rip. What do you say? It sings my soul. 
If y'all don't eat them, my blood sugar is going to kill me this week. I raise 